It's a wonderful privilege and pleasure to know the God of all creation, isn't it? Yes. You know, just even in the worship, um, I mean, something, what I'm going to be talking on today is being a praying community. And, um, you know, even just in the worship, just impacted afresh of how much love God has for every one of us. You know, and, um, you know, impacted afresh of one of the things that, and, you know, I haven't included this, but one of the things that has been quite difficult for me as a Christian is probably feeling quite alone, particularly in my childhood. But, um, but actually, we're not alone. And I think God's been speaking to me even more these last couple of weeks about how he wants us to be in community. Ultimately, we're not alone because we know Christ. Christ, if he's impacted your heart, if you know him, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know you're not alone because you are with Christ. You are united with Christ. But you're also not alone because you're in community. You're in God's family. You're one with us all as we look to serve him, as we look to follow him together on mission, on purpose, to the things he's called us to. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be in, in community together, to be in God's purposes together. And uh, I'm just reminded of that as we worship God this morning. So I'm just going to pray, and then I've got a few things I feel God's put in my heart to share with you this morning. So um, we'll crack on. Father, thank you for being with us this morning as we declare your praises, as we lift it up, the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are so worthy of adoration. Hosanna in the highest. We adore you, Jesus. I just pray, come now. Use the words that you've given me, Lord, to speak into all of our hearts as to what it means to be a praying community, to be your family together, looking to you, looking to you to outwork your purposes and your plans for us, River Church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. So we're in week three of this uh, series on prayer, and uh, I've just been really refreshed about what it means to pray. James did a wonderful job, week one, encouraging us to um, look to God as our Father, you know, that we have a Father in heaven who beckons us, who, you know, reassures us of that wonderful accepting love, who draws us into that relationship and prayer with Him. And last week, Steve reminded us of, the, um, of what it means to have a hunger for God's presence, to be having a practice or an outworking of being devoted to prayer as an individual and hungry and thirsty for more of his presence. And today I want to look at what it means to be a praying community, what it means to come before God together and petition and ask God for his provision and things like that. So God is about 
community. God is community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's passionate about community. And he's always waiting patiently for us to be community with him, but also community together, that we would talk to him, that we would share our concerns, our thoughts, we'd share our joys, our pleasures, that we'd share in his glory, his purposes. And he wants us to involve us in the outworking of his kingdom. So today I believe that God wants to consider how we might do this in the context of community. There's God's family. Together we might be united, that we might stand together, that we might pray together, that we might turn to him together to see his purposes outworked. That prayer would be our default every time we meet in twos or threes, as a whole church, when we share our lives together, that prayer isn't just an add-on to our relationships. It's not something you sort of tap on to the end, but it's something that's an integral part of who we are as a community, who we are when we meet as small groups, as larger groups, as a whole church. So what I want to do is look at First of all, the reasons why it's important for us to gather together to pray. Now, why is it so important? And I think the first thing to look to is the Word of God. What does the Word of God tell us about praying together as community? Well, firstly, looking back over the purposes of God from the very beginning. God brought Israel out of Egypt. He rescued them. He delivered them out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's hands. And when he did that, he organized the entire nation around a context of corporate prayer and worship. In fact, the nation camped around the tabernacle. Every tribe faced where the presence of God was. They were looking to the God of creation. When King David came along, corporate prayer became even more foundational to God's people. David set up A temple of worship, a tabernacle. In fact, he didn't build the temple, but he had a tabernacle of worship and prayer in the heart of the nation's capital, the city of David. He was responsible for getting the ark back into the center of God's people. He spent large amount of his wealth and resources so the community of God could go day and night praying to him. You know, this corporate expression of prayer together, of gathering God's people to pray, became very much part of Israel's national identity. They gathered together to pray, to look to God. And then we read on um, Solomon, one of the 
early kings, Jehoshaphat, who gathered God's people together to pray and seek the Lord. There are instances where they just got God's people together. When Solomon dedicated the temple, when he finally finished building it, all of the tribes gathered together and he prayed to God. Jehoshaphat appointed men to go at the front of the army singing and praising God. You know, I, I don't know about you, but that's an interesting image of lots of men singing and praising God, dancing and declaring God's greatness as they went out to battle and the enemy was delivered into their hands. Corporate prayer and worship is, is the battle cry that we have as Christians. You know, it's where battles are won or lost as we pray together. You know, today we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but we do still battle because we have a spiritual enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to fight the battle by praying together. Prayer and worship is the weapon we use to fight this enemy. Do you agree? You know, and then in the Bible, we see um, prayer and fasting that very closely linked. And we also read of Ezra and Nehemiah. They call on God's people to come together and pray and fast as they sought to rebuild the temple. You know, we see God's people coming together and as they pray, as they stand united, they see God's purposes outworked. The Psalms, the Psalms are full of prayers to God. But there are some Psalms, a few Psalms, where there are words of prayer, where it's about gathering God's people together, laments. There would have been corporate prayers calling on God to intervene in a situation. The Bible's full of God's people coming together to pray. And then we read of Jesus. Now we know Jesus was passionate for his church family to be a community of prayer. And how do we know that? Well, we read in Matthew 21 that he went into the temple and he turned tables He burned with righteous anger anger at the traders and those who sold and exchanged money, Roman money for Jewish money in order to be able to buy things at massive inflation. He burned with a righteous zeal because here the people were defiling an area sanctified as a place of prayer. Jesus was passionate about prayer, about the people of God coming together to pray to God. He quotes Isaiah 56, verse 7, For my house would be called a house of prayer. And it was being totally defiled. But there are also many instances in the Bible where we see Jesus just getting alongside individuals and praying with other people, his disciples. 
You know, we read of the time where he took Peter, James and John up the mountain to pray. He taught his disciples how to pray. And even the Lord's Prayer has a corporate feel to it. As you're all thinking about the Lord's Prayer in your head. You know, there's the part where it says, you know, it's not give me today my daily bread. But it's give us today our daily bread. Give us, Lord. Give us together our daily bread as we look to him. Finally, if we look to the early Christian church, we see great examples from Scripture of where the early church gathered and prayed together. You know, when Peter was in prison, the church gathered and was earnestly, it says in the Word of God, they were earnestly praying to God for him. In Acts 12, verse 7. They gathered together and earnestly prayed to God for him. And what happened? What happened to Peter when the church gathered and prayed? A miracle happened. I mean, the the gates of the prison just flung open. Miracles happen when we gather together and pray. You know, that's kingdom. Gathering together to pray, we see miracles happen. That's my first point. Don't worry, there's only six of them. Okay, secondly, being a praying community, the reason why we do it, one of the reasons it brings encouragement and reassurance of God's promises to us. You know, it's interesting how the last couple of weeks, as we've started this series on prayer, God has led us in the times of worship on a Sunday morning to just get together in twos and threes and pray together. Now, I don't know about you, but when that happens, I feel encouraged. When I stand with somebody else, when I just share something, actually, you know what? It's great that you've been able to pray with me. I've been able to pray into your situation. You know, this amazing thing happens where we feel encouraged and blessed. You know, it seals something in our hearts, I think, of the reality of Jesus. You know, I haven't always found it easy praying with someone else, praying out loud even. You know, in, um, and I'm just going to tell you a little story here of my little history. In 1994, years ago, when I'd um, just come back from university, I'd, I'd come to the realisation that I've made a pretty much, pretty mess of my life. So I, I started going back to church, and it just so happened there was a New Frontiers church in Hastings that I started going to. And I was hungry for more of God. And I was keen to grow in my relationship with him. So at that time, I had a friend of mine. He was going to um, a local Anglican church, and I'd managed to get him to come with me to this, this, this other church. And uh, his name was Kevin. And, uh, and in fact, he's the husband of Claire Burford. Some of you met at Ashburnham. Um, she had lunch with us that day. And I said to Kev, um, one night, we'd just been out, and we got back to my house, and we were sitting in the car, and I said to him, after he was just about to drop me off, um, you know, can we pray together? You know, and I'd never prayed with anybody before up to this point. 
And to be honest, you know, I think he was a little bit surprised. But he was up for it. And uh, I had no idea how to pray with another person. But I just thought, let's just give this a go. So one after the other, we both prayed. Now, he'd obviously done it before because he was, you know, he just seemed to be able to pray about everything. I mean, it was amazing. My prayer was quite short, you know, and it was nothing spectacular. I didn't say, I wouldn't say there was any great miracles. For me, it was just a short prayer, and I can't even remember it, but it's probably something along the lines of, thank you, God, that you love me. It's probably it. Probably all I could muster up to pray. But you know what? Over time, I grew in confidence, and as I did, I was greatly encouraged and blessed, and my friendship with Kev became a lot deeper as we prayed into situations and life choices that we were facing. You know, I started stepping out more and more into praying into situations, and then our lives kind of went in separate paths. But a few years later, I moved to Birmingham, and I was living up in Birmingham. And I met a, another uh, friend, Sam Dunlop. And he was another great companion for me in prayer. Somebody who also shared my passion for God. That I just wanted to sort of be inspired by getting together with him and pray together for the things that God was doing. And so praying with him, my prayer life grew even further. It just takes small steps, and as you take small steps, you look back and go, oh my goodness, look where I've come in praying with other people. So my question to you is, who do you pray with? Who are you connecting with? That somebody that brings you encouragement and reminds you of God's promises in your life. Because God's got promises for each one of us. Are you getting together with somebody that's stirring those up, encouraging you, blessing you, and building you up? Number two. Well, I've got about 10 minutes to do the last four. Number three. Being a praying community brings unity of purpose. It brings unity. There's such strength when we pray together, when we stand, sort of linking arms, if you like, united in wanting to see the purposes of God, united in wanting to see the rule and reign of Christ in us as a community, but also in the community out there. The streets, the workplaces, the the people that live just outside these walls. That we're standing united to see the purposes and the presence of God going out from this place. You know, we're united when we pray together. We're built up in love for each other. We're built up in compassion for the world around us. You know, there's a supernatural experience where the Holy Spirit unites people who pray together. You know... Unity of purpose is a great reason why we pray together. 
Number four, it develops intimacy with Jesus. Praying together deepens our relationship with Jesus. It brings us closer to him as we pray with others. You know, the reality of Jesus and who he is becomes much clearer as we pray with other people. His love grows a lot deeper, as we heard this morning when we worship him together. His riches become available, things that we never thought were possible. You know, one of the questions I thought to ask this morning, and that is this, how many of us, when we pray, do we use our imaginations? You know, at times when I've prayed, personally, individually, I've had images in my mind of actually thinking about Jesus, whether he'd be holding me, whether he'd be sort of walking alongside me, whether he'd be doing high fives with me, (laughs) you know, or even dancing with me. You know, I love to dance. I do. What is it that you love to do? And when you pray, take a moment to ask Jesus, where are you? Where are you in this place? Where are you when I'm doing these things? And you'll be surprised at how Jesus speaks to our imaginations. You know, how much do you dream? That involves our imaginations. What do you dream of? Not the next holiday or the next trip to the Caribbean, maybe. What's your dreams? What would you love to see? That's our imagination. Do you dream with other people? How much do you trust other people with your dreams? Do you share your dreams? Do you vulnerably open yourself up to that point where where you share your dreams that somebody can encourage you and say, you know what, I think you can do it. I think you can achieve that. Take a small step. I'd encourage you to connect with your imagination and see where God takes you. Intimacy with Jesus. Praying community together develops that. Next, when we pray as a community, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in fresh and new ways. You know, the Holy Spirit is with us this morning, you know, but when we pray with other people, the Holy Spirit can speak through people and speak to you. You know, I love it when I'm praying with somebody and they say something that I think, you know, it's exactly what God was speaking to me about. Isn't that wonderful when that happens? And so then you pray on the back of what they prayed, and they say, wow, that's so what I was thinking. You know, and then you sort of bounce off each other. And the Holy Spirit almost takes you to where you sort of begin to lead. There's fresh ideas that come, new ideas. You know, the truth is powerful, and it brings that, the, the truth that impacts our hearts when we pray together is it's just amazing. And the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit speaks. You know, the great thing about the Holy Spirit, it's in all of us who believe. 
And when we allow the Holy Spirit to just bubble up and within us and just express it, you know, that, that unity, what I was talking about, it just unites us. Because there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is leading all of us in the same way. Uh, number six. Finally. God's power comes when we pray together. When we pray as a community. You know, this is a kingdom thing. We pray and heaven opens. Simple as that. We pray and heaven opens. Prayer unlocks the kingdom of heaven. You know, in Matthew 6, again, you know, with the Lord's Prayer, this is, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father, your kingdom come on earth as, in, as it is in heaven. That in itself is a good prayer to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that your kingdom, that your heaven would open and we would see your power at work. You know, history shows this to be true. I'm not just making this things, these things up. You know, we see it in the Great Awakening in America in the 1740s. You know, and it started, and I quote, with an approach which was characterized by great fervor and emotion in prayer. Characterized with great fervor and emotion in prayer. The power of God comes, the power of God comes as we gather together and pray. Many people, many thousands were stirred and called to pray during that time. About a hundred years later, it's called the Great Prayer Revival of the 1850s. There was a guy, Jeremy Lanthier, you may have heard of him, it says, Jeremy Lanthier had hoped for more, but six people were six people. On the 23rd of September, 1857, at lunchtime, he didn't moan about the small number who turned out in response to his advert. Instead, he knelt with the others in the rented hall in Fulton Street, New York. 1857. Six people gathered to pray. Just over two weeks later, on October the 10th, my birthday, the stock market crashed and suddenly people were flocking to prayer meetings. Within six months, 10,000 people were gathered daily for prayer in New York City alone. Other cities experienced a renewed interest in prayer too. Chicago, 2,000 people prayed in the Metropolitan Theatre. 2,000 assembled in Cleveland. St. Louis, churches were filled with months at a time. In many places, tents had to be set up for prayer. Incredible. Wouldn't it be great to see that happen in this nation? Not long after this, the great British preacher of the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, led a church here in London, credited his success 
to the corporate prayer of his church, to the people gathering to pray. And this is what I read. Five young college students, they were spending a Sunday in London, so they went to hear the famed Charles Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man. Wouldn't that be great to have people waiting outside these doors for church to start? Anyway, these five students waiting outside, and they were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the, the heating plant of this church? They weren't particularly interested in the heating plant, but it, for it was a hot day, it was in July. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men taken down a stairway, and a door was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, This is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people. 700 bow in, bowed in prayer seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. You can read this story and others on the 24-7 website. If you don't know about 24-7, basically it's a guy that set up and had a passion for prayer and wanted to see prayer rooms, first over the nation, but all over the world, where people are praying for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. His name's Pete Gregg, and he wrote this book. And if you dare to read a book which can challenge you in prayer, this is the book to read. It's called Dirty Glory. He's also written one called Red Moon Rising. And he says this, as people begin to pray, God begins to move. God's power is outworked as we pray. If we want to know more of God's blessing and encouragement and power, then it starts with praying, praying full stop, but praying together. <clears throat> I hope you're encouraged. So where do we go from here? What's next then, you might ask yourself. Well, I suggest the following, and there are three things. Firstly, that we actively set aside time in our diary, not just to pray, but to pray with someone else. It could be your wife. It could even be your children. It could be a friend. It could be a couple of friends. An opportunity to pray with someone else. Pray out loud. Take a step of faith. As you trust and grow in praying with another person, I can guarantee that you'll be blessed. <clears throat> it could be making more time to pray in your life group, where you're seeking God for each other, praying for the church, praying for your leaders, <laughs> praying for the leaders of this nation, praying for salvation, for those that don't know Christ. It could be keeping your diary free the first Sunday of every month. 
What happens on the first Sunday of every month? There's a prayer meeting in this very building, seven o'clock in the rear lounge. You know, we gather to pray, to call on God to outwork his purposes. Come and join us. It's such a wonderful time to pray with others. You know, I know time is precious. You know, it's night before you go back to work, a lot of preparation for many. But come and pray that you might experience more of God. <clears throat> Second, let's be a people who are devoted to prayer. The Word of God talks about devotion to prayer. In Acts, you know, it talks about you know, being devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. You know, devotion for me talks of, you know, that steadfastness, that committed, that, that affectionately dedicated to it. You know, let's be devoted as the word of God encourages us. Would you say that in, describes your prayer life? And thirdly, when we pray together, let's look up, let's look in, and let's look out. Let's look to the source. You know, I really love just praying together before the service today. There's a real sense of just looking up, looking to Christ, looking to who is the answer to all our prayers. Jesus Christ. Let's look to the source. Let's outwork the course. And let's be a resource to each other and the community around us. Let's pray that his glory would shine through us as we gather to pray, whether it be in twos or threes or bigger groups, that whether you pray silently or out loud, that we would lift our hearts to glorify Jesus. King David says this, may the whole earth be filled with his glory. You know, let's pray together that the thrones of the spiritual enemies may fall. That his lies will be broken. Let's stand together that his lies will be broken. That his accusations that come our way will be silenced. You know, getting together with somebody to pray into these things is a powerful weapon against the works of the enemy. Let's pray for the coming of Christ in power, for the extension of his kingdom. Hallelujah. Let's do that, shall we? Praying together.